Hello and welcome to Is This Really for Children? Where I, your host, Thea Touchton, decide, hey, is this TV show really for a child? Um, And a child to me is anybody under 18. Sorry. Sorry, teenagers. You are your child. Today, we are talking about looking for Alaska. I thought about maybe getting somebody else on board, but... It's a lot to cover even in one season because they added a bunch of details. I also don't know how popular it is and I'm going to be a bit emotional about it because this was one of the books my ex-husband and I bonded over when we were teenagers. So just kind of want to do this to kind of let more part of him go. So yeah, here we go. Looking for Alaska. Hopefully I don't cry. Anyway, so we've got Pudge over here, or his name is Miles. I don't remember his last name. I always want to call him Miles Davis, but they're not the same guy. And Miles Davis is obviously very cooler and probably more successful. Anyway, Miles has this thing for last words. He loves people's last words. That's his gimmick. I don't know how he fell into it. I don't know if we know. I don't remember if it says in the book ever, but that's just his thing. That's the thing the spinner landed on when John Green decided to write this book. Then he does this one quote that I love from Oscar Wilde. I think that's his last words, is either that wallpaper goes or I do, which fabulous queer content, honestly. And same sometimes, you know, absolute same. So Miles is going to seek a great perhaps. Um, And then I think we got like a peak, which is also weird. And I wish that they didn't do it in, I think the series is on Hulu. Yeah, the Hulu series is that, You see that the car wreck that, spoiler alert, sorry, uh, that Alaska Young gets into at the end, and it is so much more worse, so much more worse than I imagined when I read this book. It was brutal. Anyway, poor Miles, he's leaving to go to boarding school, which his dad went to once upon a time because he has no friends, which is really, really sad. We're also like intercutting between like Miles' journey and then also like the moments before he arrives because cinema, you know? Anyway, I really wanted a chunkier Alaska because they say that her body isn't this like, it's not, she's not like regular beauty and they like totally made her conventionally beautiful. And like, I think the girl does a great job as her. I just was like, all, all of John Green's main character girls all look the same. They're all like blonde and skinny. And I always pictured Alaska with like dark hair, kind of round and curvy, basically looking like me. Because uh, also that's what my ex-husband used to say is that I was like Alaska, which I tend to agree and kind of don't, you know, but whatever. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into all that stuff. And I guess, yeah, I wanted her a little bit more ethnic, but I guess you got to look like boarding school kids, even though it still doesn't make any sense because she is poor. So anyway, here we are. They did make the colonel black, also known as Chip Martin. Anyway, Alaska is giving her roommate advice and saying, hey, you don't have to leverage your body to keep your boyfriend around. She's like, you've got a great mind and heart, which is honestly very me me giving advice to people uh but also at the same time i'm also like yeah sleep with him whatever i'm very i just hear what the people want to do and i give them affirmation because i think in our society so often we've lost the voice of ourself you know so i always try to encourage people to be like that's what yourself wants to do and sometimes you just got to follow that i feel like 
most of ourselves won't won't let us hurt ourselves obviously there's always exceptions anyway Miles' parents are all worried because when his dad used to go to the boarding school it wasn't co-ed and I okay I hate all of these like typical T-movie things and it's also like it like wasn't needed for this but it's like they do with like oh the best way of protection is abstinence which is like something that doesn't happen and it clearly doesn't happen in the thing and that might be like a commentary on that of like hey just so you know abstinence isn't working with these teenagers like they're not taking it seriously and they don't understand the repercussions and I guess they're ruled by hormones or whatever but it's also weird to me that like now they're having the talk with Miles like right before he goes in the car like I don't feel like that would be when they would have the talk realistically and I feel like the people on the TV were like oh haha this will be a funny moment because it's oh it's so much it's so funny when like someone's embarrassed about their parents talking about sex and I honestly think that we have to stop making those scenarios funny because it's either that your parents are talking about about sex appropriately or your parents are not talking about sex and I think like obviously there can be humor and stuff but obviously I feel like sometimes that gives ammos to abusers who are just going to be like, oh, well, you know, like I'm talking about sex, but it's funny, right? It's lighthearted. So just, you know, we, there's a, there's a fine line. There's a fine line and we don't have to cross it. So Alaska then is lecturing Paul about feminism. I think they label her as more as a feminist than they did in the book, but also feminist became more of a cool word than it was back when John Green first wrote this. So roommate, her roommate is going to have sex with Paul because they stayed together in the summer, uh, even though they were long distance. Alaska is going to buy wine. She has a fake ID that says she's 28, which I can't believe. I don't even remember if that was in the book, but it's so weird that that is like such a casual thing that so many teenagers have fake IDs. And the cash register guy is like, oh, I don't feel like you look 28. Honestly, I do feel like she could look. I, if, she's, if they said she was 28, I'd be like, okay, I would buy it, right? Like. She definitely looks like the older of all of the main cast. And then she recites like a Dr. Seuss poem to get liquor. And there's no way that this interaction would have worked. I wanted an Alaska that was a little more obnoxious, a little more in your face and less like cool and charming and everything works out for her because I don't feel like that was Alaska, at least when I was reading the book. And this one is more like, they just put her into this like male stereotype and it just is disappointing, you know, because I honestly feel like she could have been a real person. And I get that that's also kind of the crux of the book, but whatever. I still can't believe she recited Dr. Seuss to get freaking liquor and she gets it. Anyway, even though Miles doesn't have a cell phone, so I don't even really know if this is supposed to be like early 2000s. I don't really understand what the time period is, but you can only call via payphone okay right that's all you can that's how you can reach people and it was so sad when his mom miles mom is like devastated that miles is like gonna be away from her and she's like can i make your bed and it's so sweet and i wish i had a mom like that oh it kills me and that he meets his roommate the colonel in a towel which is embarrassing yes and it's and then like the colonel asked him about like Robert Frost and Miles is like I haven't read Robert Frost and I have a really hard time believing that he is the age that he is he is and has not read Robert Frost I really like that's like a super common one I feel like especially if he's reading 
biographies for last words. He's not come across Robert Frost. That felt so weird. They have no air conditioning in their thing because Sweatbuild's character. I don't know where they're at. I thought it was a school in Florida, but then they're just saying that Miles is from Florida. So I don't understand where the school is and I don't think they really uh, talk about it. But anyway, Paul Lindell kind of explains his backstory and he says that he's basically there because he wants to read books without getting beat up. And I feel really bad because I'm sure like in an inner city back, a black kid in school or even honestly a black kid in school in most places, I feel like would get made fun of a black boy, especially would get made fun of for reading, which is really sad and something that I didn't even really think about racially, which really like changed my mind is like how much there's still like, a, I feel like a discouragement for black students to read because all of the U.S. history and a lot of white people wanted to keep blacks ignorant and dumb, thus didn't want them to have access to books, which is like so terrible and sad. And I'm so sorry our country did this to you, even though like obviously I didn't have a say or things would go differently, but still sucks. Still, I feel so much empathy. So anyway, then there's the principal guy. His name is the Eagle. And he talks to them when they're carrying something heavy, which is kind of a funny moment. Um, and he's just kind of lecturing Miles to be like, yeah, I know your dad was a big prankster. Don't carry on his legacy. And then Pudge meets Alaska when she puts his hand on her boob because he she was talking about how a guy honked her boob. And it's a little weird, like... I definitely was never that bold as Alaska to do that. I don't know if I would put anybody's hand on my boobs except maybe my significant partner. Um, and that's usually because I tend to choose when they're healthy for me. Most of the guys that are healthy are usually a little timid sexually. So, which I like because that makes me feel safe in a culture of rape and crying. Anyway, the Colonel and Al Alaska smoke and then they get Pudge on it. And Alaska buries wine in the woods to like hide it for later but i'm also like doesn't it spoil does it taste good like is it even worth it and it's kind of an obscene that these like kids are grown up so fast and i feel like this this series kind of glorifies it and doesn't doesn't like talk about its unhealthy risk even though like Part of the reason Alaska dies is due to alcohol and I kind of feel like she was a struggling alcoholic or there was definitely a, an issue there. But anyway, Alaska's dating this college boy, which is also a little bit concerning. I don't remember what age she is. I think she's obviously 16 because she can drive. Maybe they're 17. She's got to be 16. And it's still like still weird to date somebody in college. I mean, I guess you're only two years older, but it's still it's weird, right? Like I would not. I mean, maybe he met her at 17 and then went into college, but I don't know. Either way, she hasn't cheated on him yet. So that's good. I guess Alaska cheats on people and that kind of sucks. It also is like setting her up to be really promiscuous and I don't know. I don't really know what he's trying to do with her. Like, I guess I just saw her in such a light because you really you read her through Miles perspective. So you see her as this like really amazing person and she's really like a caricature of the party girl. Anyway, so 
Alaska and Colonel tell Pudge that, you know, if you get in trouble, the way to preserve and like be cool around here is to not rat, which is also like another terrible lesson for kids because it's like, if you are in trouble, if there is something that's going on that isn't safe, you should tell and you should like, you shouldn't do these things that are bad for you because the adults, most adults in the situation really care about children. There are of course some really corrupt adults who don't and all they care about themselves and it's selfish and it sucks, but most adults want children to be safe. So they're going to do anything to make that happen. And if you get in trouble, it's like not going to be the worst thing ever. I also don't understand why they're just like expelling kids right away at the school, but oh, we'll get on to that. So Alaska gives Pudge the book about, hey, how do you get out of the labyrinth? And the Cornell has this girlfriend who hates him. I never really understood the relationship and is very, very brief in the series still. Um, and it kind of just like hurts me. And I do know that, and from what I remember from high school, when I went my time, obviously I feel like it's probably still so different even now. But like, there was that thing of like, oh, when he, if he makes fun of you, he likes you, right? If he's mean to you, he likes you. Which is such an interesting contradiction because Pudge is like overly nice to Alaska and like truly really cares about her, is in love with her. Then it breaks my heart because Alaska has this whole library of books that never get read because she dies. So... That's an amazing scene when you know the ending because it hurts so good. But anyway, Alaska makes a deal with Pudge and says, hey, if you can figure out how to get out of the labyrinth, I will teach you how to get laid, which is kind of a weird bargain to make and kind of just prioritizes like, I guess in Alaska's mind, all guys want to do is get sex. Like that's Pudge's big goal out here is to have sex for the first time, not be a virgin anymore. Like I don't, it's weird. Uh, I mean, I guess he's like 17 16 ish so that's about the time like I feel like that happens which has been normal honestly it happens so much earlier nowadays and this makes me sad it happened earlier to me and way earlier without my consent and it's just like very terrible that we are sexualizing children and that children feel the pressure to be sexualized but yeah uh, I don't think this film really helps and I don't remember the book being about that I felt like the book was about something more but obviously the tv was like let's make it about sex because that's what kids are into and it's like is that what kids are into is or is that what the adult pedophiles who are funding all of these films are into okay let me know anyway so then Alaska's roommate gets busted for having sex with Paul and then gets expelled Paul's upset so upset and he's like who ratted who ratted and Alaska now has a bedroom all to herself and I guess the thing ends up being that Alaska did that on purpose to just have her own place which is like crazy selfish I think that's in the book but it is like it's hard to accept that someone is that selfish that they're like I'll just fuck up this person's education so that I can just have my own space. Um, but I also understand being poor and wanting it and functioning better that way. But still, like, the evilness to do that is gross. So then we meet the professor with one lung, who's also black. They're bringing in the diversity, slowly but surely, to, to John Green. And they're going to talk about religions in that class. And they're searching for meaning. What will become of us when we are no longer 
And then they call out Pudge for not reading women biographies. And that is like pretty true because I think most of these quotes in the book are all for men. Hi, John Green, you feminist you. <laughs> Although I will say he's got, I think you remember the characters of like Alaska and I'll do Paper Towns too. You remember like the women more than the boys. So I will say that for him. I will say for that for him as a writer. Anyway, the Connell's girlfriend, Sarah, she's very good. The Connell gets mad at her because she wants him to iron the shirt. Um, which is a little bit weird. I feel like that's a little bit too controlling, but I also understand like sometimes a shirt is too wrinkly and needs to be ironed and you don't really realize because sometimes you just put on a shirt and you don't really look at yourself in the mirror. But anyway, the Colonel didn't have any good role models either because he's kind of from an underprivileged family. So I think Sarah in a weird way feels like she's helping him kind of integrate into society more and then the colonel and sarah are on a date three men wake up miles in night in the middle of the night and they wrap him in saran wrap which freaks me out i've had so many bad experiences with saran wrap one of the saran wraps i like we were in a torture scene and they wrapped me first and it was so hot and then we we were making we were friends in the project and they had weed brownies and i like ate the weed brownies too but then i got like really freaked out by the saran wrap. I think it just like triggered some rape stuff. Uh, obviously the pop brownies didn't help because I was also like, you know, extra sensitive and I probably should have just waited until we filmed the scene. But I also, it was a little bit on the director's fault because they didn't really tell me all the scene that it would, what it was going to entail. And also sometimes like in a high anxiety scene, having some weed is basically for me like a, like a calming thing like and there's like a point sometimes when you are going that as an actor you're like unleashing all of this stuff and it's really raw and it can be like really intense you know uh to go to that spot and and I can go there and it's uh relatively easy for me because of my trauma but this time we were we were I was like wrapped with nowhere to go and I had only really known them a couple of times and I had gotten like kind of a slightly creepy vibe from the director because he was kind of into like lore and you know like witchcraft and pentagrams and stuff and I was like oh fuck like what if they are going to rape me right like I don't know these people now I'm trying to surrender like I was like what if this movie's not even happening and like to this day I still don't have the footage and I'm kind of pissed about it yeah so then I like was crying in the surrender app and then I just kind of also leaned into the crying more because I was like well, it's like perfect for this torture scene. So if it is a real movie, but I ended up like really freaking out because they too, then they had to put like this big metal thing in the mouth because it was like a horror film, you know, and it like freaked me out and I didn't know that. And it was just like, we didn't establish like a comfortable bond enough. And then like the whole crew got mad. And I, I think there was this thing too of like, was he trying to make like torture porn? And it was a very confusing movie time. Anyway, I'm so glad I joined the union. I don't have to deal with stuff like that because now there's things to protect you. But yeah, terrible, terrible movie things. The second time I had Saran Wrap was also non-union. And they like, I was like, it was the character was supposed to be a mummy, which it sucks because in the script too, I think if had I known because I'd already had the bad Saran Wrap experience beforehand. And ironically, I got cast with somebody who was also on that same set that I was. And it was also wrapped in Saran Wrap. But I had to, and I was like, so I was already triggered by the saran wrap. And had I known that they were going to do saran wrap instead of toilet paper, because they said she was a mummy, so it's a little bit weird to do saran wrap. But I understand, you know, it might have been cheaper or easier, but to keep together. 
I don't know. But anyway, did that. And then the one actress didn't open the door enough because the door is kind of like one of those heavy apartment doors and it closed and it like basically tripped me up because I was in saran wrap. So I am terrible at saran wrap. Um, but apparently that's my type as an actor is to be cast in saran wrap. So awesome. Um, but anyway, so three men wake up and saran wrap miles in the middle of the night and then they throw him into the water which is like great um and he's like fucking worried because he's like please guys don't or terrible last words and then of course the swan that's in the lake is mean and like comes towards him and tries to to bite him and then i don't know like pudge misspeaks at one point trying to talk to him about how like he was like a mermaid because he like somehow got out of the lake which i can't even believe that they did this like it is so wrong and like i don't they don't even like get punished none of the kids say anything and i i hate the the casualization of hazing i really don't like it but anyway pudge gets all gender correct and is like oh said mermaid and is like oh no merman and it's just uh, i'm just like you know who cares you said mermaid we know what you mean i don't know i'm sometimes i'm just so over like gender being so quick but obviously like i'm they them and my belief is like i don't think gender matters like obviously knowing your sexual organs for a doctor and the course of treatment uh that's great you know but other than that like who gives a shit like we should be equal but that's just where i'm at not to offend you and of course i'll always use your right pronouns also the guy's pissed in the colonel shoes and it's just disgusting like i don't understand teenage boys i don't i don't even know as a woman, it's, like, harder because I guess as a guy, you can kind of, like, aim your dick into the shoes. But as a woman, I'd have to, like, squat. So it's just, that's a lot for me. And then Miles has to square up with the rich boys because they're trying to get him to come into a truce. The whole reason that this war kind of started is they think that's one of the colonel Alaska or Miles ratted on their boy Paul and his girlfriend. But Miles ends up showing the rich boys because they, like, make a bet on the last words and it was, like, one president whose words that they don't know but uh miles got it and then he like gains res more respect with the colonel in alaska but then he gets kicked out of class by the philosophy teacher with one lung because he was staring at the trees picturing alaska and alaska sticks up for him which i feel like is something that i would probably do even though i'd be very very nervous about it and of course she gets kicked out too which doesn't really make any sense it's also like I don't know, kind of terrible to kick somebody out because he's like, oh, you looked out the window once during my class. Like, you're not paying attention. But like, then close the window things. I also think you can look out a window looking at nature and pay attention to somebody's words. Like, I don't feel like you need to look at somebody to pay attention to them. This is as a person with bad eyesight, though. So I, like, get it. I understand that you can kind of get more nuances from looking at somebody, but that doesn't necessarily equate, like understanding because you can tell a lot by tone of voice and assumptions that we already give people anyway the colonel does term papers for other students for cash money also terrible i was doing homework for people for free uh i should have been charging so that's another one example of all the work that i put up for free and i don't get paid so please donate to this podcast because i need money so the colonel is saving up for the debutante ball but his girlfriend is like you can't go like somebody else is taking me because you're not you know country club because he's black and the country club is racist so then we meet laura who honestly this actress made me like the character of laura more than i ever did in the book so congratulations she was so charming like honestly she became one of my favorite characters in the series 
So Miles has to sit on Laura's lap because Alaska's car is full. And then I think, I don't know who says it. I think it might be Alaska. It might be the colonel, but they're talking about Laura's breasts being perky and it's like underage and still sexualizing. And it's just like weird like that. And, and it's uncommented on in the Hulu thing that there's just kind of like some sexualizations of these children and they just kind of like leave it there and they don't say anything bad about it and I mean I guess like perky breast is a compliment but for me every time I think about it it's just like a creepy photographer who ugh, it's just gross but the colonel does look nice in the suit and so they get back the rich kids by moving all their stuff on the lawn they put blue in their shampoo bottles for them to have like blue hair they put blue like dye and honestly that's really good I always remember that prank even from the book I think it's so great honestly and then the rich kids don't like that but they are like oh don't worry we will we submit so they fake them out and then it turns out that they cut up the colonel suit that he saved all the money for which is so terrible uh it, it hurts it hurts and then the colonel when he goes to the the debutante ball he can't even sit with all the other kids he has to like literally sit at a kid's table he can't sit with the other people but they get the rich kids back and they put laxatives in their drinks so that they have to poop, which is also so highly dangerous and also uncommented on. And I understand that it's a show and stuff, but it's like no one's commenting on it. So I feel like we should have a podcast to say like, if there are any kids that are influenced, like, hey, probably do not do this stuff. I mean, it's, I don't feel like we should be that influenced by TV, but I don't know. My parents weren't around for me, so somebody's got to say something, right? They also do this crazy thing that is insane and ooh, it's got to hurt, but they put, all they put in the stalls is like duct tape instead of toilet paper, which is brutal, 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 but a genius prank because pranks are basically now just hurting people. That's what pranks are now. And the colonel gets to escort his girlfriend because he took out the guy that was going to escort him. But the dad of his girlfriend, Sarah, won't let him take in and is like, oh, there's no world where you're going to escort my daughter on stage. And like, they like obviously added a race sort of thing going on to flesh out the show a little bit more. It doesn't super work. Like it is something that's there, but it's like also this is like not what the show is about. And I don't know if showing more, we need to show more instances of how racism is corrected not instances of racism hollywood we need to show more instances of where racism gets put down not where it's occurring because i think we're all well and aware of how it is occurring i mean some people obviously like my aunt is like oh it used to be like so much racist right and i understand that people don't understand the subtleties however the dad coming up to the white dad coming up in a country club full of white people and saying to the black guy, there's no world in which you will escort our daughter is not subtle at all and is clearly racism. Anyway, but it is like an interesting moment. I don't remember if this is in the book. I don't think that it is. But anyway, the colonel gets mad about all that. He And the dad ends up escorting his daughter, which is also like weird. The dad's obviously a creep. But obviously it's like it's not about the dad and it's not about the colonel and Sarah's relationship. I guess they're just kind of showing like why it wouldn't have worked anyways so that you're not so upset that they split, but they also like split pretty fast. Like it's a little bit weird to focus on this. I feel like there were other things they could have focused on, but it gave the colonel a chance to like shine as an actor. So I get it. Anyway, he burns the table that he was sitting at with matches, even though I think there were kids at his table. I don't understand. Very dangerous. But the sprinklers go off 
and it ruins Cotillion. And the principal ends up finding Pudge's keychain. And so he's questioning Pudge. And everybody's like, oh no, is Pudge going to rat? Like this is the, the new kid's first time, you know, about loyalty. And Pudge says that he acted alone, even though he didn't. So they put Pudge in full trial. And then we learn that the principal is maybe being a little bit strict this year because his wife of 13 years left him. So he's going through some stuff. And the rich kids then come again with the truce. And Alaska hastily agrees, even though the colonel doesn't want to. He's like, what the fuck? But Alaska agrees because she's guilty, but we don't find that out quite yet. Anyway, uh, his newfound friends help buy Pudge's sentence to be small, not expulsion or anything. They like paid off the other students that were on the board so that uh, he can be free. I also have a very hard time believing that any school trial would have kids also on the board, but I guess like maybe that's their thing is like kids have a say of how the school goes and Part of me likes that because I feel like kids should have a say. It's their education. It should work for them. And every generation is so such a new batch of unique souls and raised so differently with like, you know, like we're all just having traumas and traumas of the previous old rule world based with new technology. We are truly different every gen. And we need to like have knowledge that respects that and not try to teach things the old ways when especially we value so much what is new and different and innovative. So then the philosophy teacher kicks him out once again because Miles isn't present and they're just forcing a Buddhist narrative on him, I guess. The colonel has been kicked out of 37 basketball games because that's like his thing is that he just like mocks the other teams relentlessly until somebody kicks him out, which I kind of like love, even though it's probably very mean and is essentially bullying, but I like hate sports so much that I am the colonel in this instance. And I like, I never, I don't remember that in the book, but I vibed with the scene a lot. I vibed. Their school has bad athletics. They never won, I think. And they have a terrible mascot. They don't even have a mascot. That's how terrible it is. The mascot is invisible, which is also very weird. I can't believe that like the principal doesn't put on like a, a costume. I feel like somebody would do it because sports, you know, the... The cult of sports. So Laura and Pudge are on this date and they kind of figure out that they don't really have anything in common. And they call the rich kids Amber Crombie and bitch, which is really funny um, to me. I laughed. I like wish I had called the mean girls that were mean to me in my head Abercrombie a bitch, but I didn't because I was kind and also it's probably for the best not to call people names. Anyway, the philosophy teacher also drops their final philosophy question ahead of time, which is also very unlike any school that usually that shit's the minute you open at the back of the book and then you got to write the essay and they do some practice ones, but they're never the the real one. The philosophy question is what what is the most important question human beings must answer then we have some more sexual tension of alaska buttoning up pudge's shirt um and it is palpable between them and i kind of like it but it but it is also weird because she is taken and i can't tell if she's flirting with miles ever or it seems like she's just a flirt i can't tell if this is like all in miles head how she feels about him and that she really doesn't feel that way or if they are, are really like connected in that love link and that her boyfriend she just had before she met Miles and was like settling to some degree. So anyway, Miles learns that Alaska picked her own name, which is also crazy for me to think because I feel like people are so conservative. I feel like people would be like liberals letting their children choose their own names. 
So she picked Alaska because she wanted a name that was big and far away from Alabama. And then she found out that it means that which the sea breaks against, which is very beautiful, honestly. I don't think I would still name my kid Alaska, but it's pretty. Shout out to all the Alaskas out there. So then while Pudge has this like vulnerable moment with her and is vibing, Alaska's college boyfriends comes out and then they just make out and the boy is like way more handsome than Pudge. Luke would always call, Luke is my boyfriend and Luke would always be like, oh, Pudge is such a pouty boy. And they like don't even hesitate. Like Alaska just like pulls his shirt off even though Pudge is in the room. I'm assuming it's like long distance and like I understood I was a horny teenager and it was like there were times where it was like you wanted sex and you just like went for it. And then the colonel is like, oh, I've got this Asian friend. I can hook you up with Takomi, who is like their Asian friend. And I always kind of feel like that's racist. I mean, it's like, I don't know, this thing of like, oh, you have to date within your race. You have to date within your race. Or you have to like, like, I don't know if Takomi likes other girls. And there's like this weird B plot that is never, never seems to come out as like, did Takomi also have a crush on Alaska? I was, I'm always so confused about it in the book. Obviously, I think this is like, one of John Green's first novels. So it's, you know, there's, there's flaws. There's fall, there's flaws in these stars. But anyway, so Paul transferred and Pudge gets hit with a basketball, which concusses him on their like sort of half date. Cause it's with a group. And then he ends up throwing up on Laura, which, oh my God, so embarrassing. I don't think I could ever talk to somebody again if I threw up on I'm already like embarrassed. There's only like one time that I threw up in front of friends. And I think the only reason it worked is because I didn't even remember it. Uh, anyway, Paul calls and the colonel's ex-girlfriend call Alaska a rat uh, because she now has a single and they're like making fun of her for having that. And they it is revealed now to the main group that Alaska is the one who told that her friend who told that her friend was having sex pretty much did it because she got busted bearing wine and was going to get expelled so she like traded the story which I also still don't feel like would have worked in a school system they just simply would have both been expelled and Colonel's girlfriend breaks up with the Colonel because he won't say that Alaska is a rat even though it's true and she's like mad that he defends Alaska and it is a little weird and I don't know if she's jealous and also thinks that the colonel is in love with Alaska and like maybe he is to a degree. It's, everybody's in love with Alaska apparently. And there is something like very likable about her. But anyway, Alaska goes to this college party and then Laura is talking about how her dad, cause she's with Pudge at the hospital because she took him because he's, you know, concussed. And she's talking about how like her family like uh, immigrated over and they she likes hospitals because her dad was a doctor so it kind of like reminds her of home uh, and then Laura became like super interesting in this scene right it was like whatever and I think that's really cool that what Hulu did because it it's kind of one of the first things it's like oh she like wasn't interesting to Pudge because Pudge is really interested in Alaska and then we have the scene and it's like oh I am interested in Laura like Laura's really cool we just needed to know more about her and that's the thing that's like and it's such a weird thing is like some people you fall in love with straight away and and part of it too is like Alaska is a person who like she is who she is right out on the surface and most people are like Laura like you have to dig a little bit and but there's still gold underneath and it's very interesting that there's these kind of two dichotomies of that in the story they also awkwardly see their philosophy professor at the hospital because he's got one lung and is obviously there a lot. Alaska ends up drinking so much at her college party she throws up and 
she meets this like cool girl who she thinks her boyfriend is in love with because she this cool girl doesn't put a book on her shelf until it's finished reading unlike alaska who has this collection of books and then alaska gets into this kind of like self-doubt moment where she believes that her boyfriend deserves better than her and maybe she's also questioning because she's starting to have feelings for pudge miles because he has a concussion is supposed to be woken up every four hours and laura's like well you can sleep in my bed and it's you know it's medically sound so let's do it but then Pudge sees Alaska at the gas station alone smoking and gets out of this green limo, which is Laura's car, because I guess her dad now owns a car company, even though he was once a doctor in their country. I don't know. I don't, it's weird that doctor applications don't transfer over. Like you would think that they would. How different is medicine really that different? Very interesting. Anyway, so Alaska then tells the principal that she left canvas without permission and the colonel's mad because he wants to pick a fight with alaska because he kind of like blames her for what she did and is mad that she like broke their own like code of honor the colonel is honestly really immature and i don't remember thinking him this immature in the books but he is very immature in the series which is fine i feel like most most boys of that age are but pudge is like concussed and is like well you can pick a fight with me if you want colonel also i think in a weird way trying to be very gallant and you know trying to protect alaska and i love the fucking line that the colonel says and he's like i can't be mad at you you skinny little bastard oh my god it i love it so much alaska then is begging pudge to stay for thanksgiving and his parents are so excited for her to come and he just like disappoints him and jake calls when he's on the phone with his parents because he's been trying to get through to alaska but alaska doesn't answer which is super toxic she should have answered and like broken up with him and finished this is weird like she's obviously also very immature so miles disappoints his parents and stays with alaska and they steal wine and watch porn bitches of madison county which i think is kind of a rite of passage and honestly i think is the way most men should be introduced with porn is with the girl group of their friend that is like either already had sex in a loving relationship and tells them like hey this is what women like this is what women don't like and i feel like that should be normalized like you should have guys should have girlfriends that they can ask about girls because this just makes everything function better i hate like relationships that are like oh you can't be friends with any guys you can only have girlfriends you can only have guy friends it's like ugh. Get that energy away from me. Uh, and Alexa kind of just analyzes porn and is like, oh, look, she's like making that woman an object. And she's like, oh, then they're going so hard. And with all, it seems like torture with like no kissing. And it's just like, I feel like that is now, now we're starting to give valuable information to the youth finally. Anyway, the philosophy professor catches them with wine, but he doesn't bust them because he's a cool dude, even though maybe he should bust them because they are underage drinking. And it will be interesting. I don't know if we have a lot of research about the prolonged drinking effects. Like if somebody is binge drinking when they're 12, how are they going to be when they are like 30, right? Like, is it a problem that gets more out of control? So then we learn that the philosophy teacher is basically this old bachelor. He has no family. He hasn't spoken to his brothers because he's gay. Uh, obviously, I don't think this was in the book either. We just kind of get more of a backstory on the black characters so that they're not one dimensional, just there for diversity, even though most of their stories is just about their diversity, which is fine, right? They think these stories need to be told, but they're also, I feel like very typical diversity stories. And it's like, you know, like not every 
diversity story has to be about their race it can be about like unique experiences to them as a person hopefully hollywood figures it out but anyway so the professor is gay he had aids that's why he's sick i don't know if this was originally john green's idea i don't know who wrote the screenplay i should look that up yeah he wasn't screenwriter on this so that's interesting Anyway, Alaska then breaks up with her boyfriend, Jake, and Pudge and her sleep outside and hold hands. Then Dolores, who is the colonel's mom, learns that Alaska and Pudge are alone and is like, um, no, we have to have them for Thanksgiving. And they have sweet potato pie, which sounds so yummy. I want it. And Alaska is like, well, you know, it's a little bit sexist for women to do cooking, but I'd rather have good food than crappy boy food, which is hilarious. <laughs> Some men are good cooks, but yeah, I have noticed, I think that I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good cook. Obviously, it's a, we've had more lineage of being good cooks. And Dolores lets them have wine, which is pretty wild. Uh, they're just like, I'll let these kids drink, these adults. I love Alaska's cool 70s dress. I want one, please. Thank you. Can't ever find one that will fit and make my boobs look good. And Pudge is going to get to sleep in the same bed as Alaska. He's all excited. and But the colonel ruins it, which is terrible. And it could be because part of me always thinks, like, does the colonel have a crush on Pudge? Does the colonel have a crush on Alaska? Uh, I don't know if he knew that he was going to ruin it or if he was just being immature. But the colonel says that he and Alaska aren't going to be friends anymore. And says that Pudge isn't even going to want her in his life because of the way that she is throwing out her honor by ratting which is just terrible like this whole rat thing is like awful i don't i don't remember if this was in the book or not but i do will say that pudge has got kind of like a young dicaprio the actor who plays pudge it's it's a little more awkward than he was but there's something about leonardo dicaprio that he reminds me of here about young leonardo older leonardo is different then colonel's mom comes and talks to pudge and is like this is a small trailer so like don't do anything gross essentially don't like have sex with her and then pudge doesn't listen to that because he like tries to like cuddle and make a move on her and she like throws him out because she's pissed and devastated by what the colonel said and is like feeling her self-esteem torn and then just tells pudge she's like i told you not to ruin it which is kind of not fair Poor Pudge is like totally the innocent bystander in this and it just makes everything worse. Like he should have read the room better, but also he's like a 16 year old boy and like they don't, they don't know. This is like the first time he's having these experiences. So he has to sleep outside and the colonel makes Alaska get out of the car because he doesn't want to be seen with her on campus. But Pudge goes with Alaska and yeah, the colonel's out of control. Uh, he's obviously like heartbroken too because of his breakup, but also like, I don't know if his girlfriend needed to break up with him because of that. And also their relationship was so unhealthy. The colonel's mom talks to him and is like, you know, like forgiveness is really important. And the colonel like throws the, she was abused in her face, which is so ugly. And I love that she's like, she's like, you gotta, and it's like fucked up. Sometimes that's the thing that can like fix you if you really listen to it. But it's also like scary because I understand having like fucked up parents myself. And mom goes, is like, you've got that same ugly in you, but you've for sure got space for more. Colonel is struggling without cigarettes because he's too proud to go to Alaska who has them. Pudge then, because he's rejected from Alaska, tries to go back to Laura and tries to buy Laura's prom ticket. 
And she's like, no, I'm going to buy it myself. And he's like, okay, but I'm going to try to win you over before the night stands. Uh, I kind of don't like that he bounces in between them, but also a very 16-year-old boy thing to do. Don't think that it's okay, but that is what we've said has been okay for a while for all of these 16-year-old boys. Anyway, I hate that they isolate Alaska. And she ends up bonding with the philosophy teacher who says that, you know, things are going to change. And so she just kind of throws her heart into reading. But it's it's really sad that they, like, isolate her because she clearly needs these friends. And, like, she made a mistake, but she's also, like, she's a 16-year-old girl. Let's use the same excuse me as her boys. Like, they're learning, you know? And I feel like the integrity of character should be better than the mistakes. And I don't know if your friend should punish you for the bad things you've done. I often feel like the world already punishes you enough. Like I, I am kind of realizing like you don't need to do anything extra. Like I do to, I'm not necessarily a Buddhist, but I do kind of feel like karma is real. Like the universe will give you what you put out. But then once the, the prep people, the rich kids kind of find out, oh, cause they're on scholarship. That's how they, the Colonel and um, Alaska are on scholarship. Anyway, the rich kids who are not on scholarship and are going to that boarding room by choice flood her room they ruin all her books and it's really sad and pudge doesn't want to help with the prank but the colonel is like thinks that them reading the books has gone too far so he is gonna get them back they're basically like going to submit terrible college applications to the schools that the rich kids want to go to which is pretty genius honestly like terrible obviously illegal but really really funny to me honestly no harm done i don't even think it should they're like they make a big deal at the end that it could like ruin the relationships with the college people but i really don't think so i feel like if i was college admissions and i read this i would laugh my butt off but anyway pudge isn't going to help because he's focused on being with laura so it's the colonel takumi and alaska and then pudge ends up getting able to go to the dance with laura but he doesn't want to dance and i don't understand this thing is like boys not dancing like really have we queerified dance that much i feel like we've made dancing so cool you can do it straight or gay but maybe not anyway i think we should it's so dumb but just like i don't understand he should just dance anyway that's what she wanted to do so takumi is wearing a fox hat so no one can catch the fox but they end up needing pudge's help and so he has to like leave laura's thing and he like doesn't really explain and he should have so he like helps set off fireworks which sound like gunshots to kind of lure the principal away from the office because he's really scared of bad publicity, which is why he doesn't really like pranks. And then Pudge, of course, gets attacked by the swan again and they all escape and then they play best day, worst day. And Aska says her best day was when she was eight and at the zoo. Laura's best day was when she won a spelling bee, uh, which was a really cool story. Colonel's best day hasn't happened yet because it'll happen when he buys a house. Um, but his worst day was when his dad left. Pudge's worst day was when he scored for the wrong team. Laura's worst day was when they left Romania. She was mad that couldn't bring her dog and she had to leave it with strangers. And oh, that would be so hard. Takumi's best day was virginity and then his worst was his grandma dying. And then Alaska's worst day is the one that always wins because she saw her mom like jerking, having a seizure and she, it was after the zoo and she didn't call 911 and it ended up being an aneurysm. And she's like, everybody drink up, I win. And her dad blamed her for being a kid and not dialing 911. And she's like, well, five-year-olds have done it. But she, like, froze and feels, like, guilty for that for the rest of her life. And it's such, like, a, oh, this is a big philosophy question, I feel like. 
Like, is she responsible? And I feel like as a kid, it's, I don't, like, had she been given that talk before? Had she been shown what to do? I don't know. I don't know if I at five or eight even could have done that. And it's just, I, yeah, like, everybody doesn't blame her, but it's, I can't imagine living with that. Yeah, that's really hard because she kind of feels like it's her fault. So Laura and Pudge are kissing. Alaska has to listen. And they kiss pretty much until their lips are numb. And Alaska, feeling sad, you know, calls Jake. Uh, but the girl that she was worried about answers and she, like, assumes that they're cheating. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of dumb because she, like, totally wanted them to be together. And then, like, yelled at Pudge and ruined it. And it's just weird. I hate what she did. But people, you know, I've definitely seen people do a lot of stupid things in romantic relationships. So basically, Chip the Colonel gets pretty much like blamed for uh, hacking the applications process. And they're basically, he, they're saying like what he did was fraud. Of course, the black kid's gonna get expelled, right? And the principal's like, they were waiting for their chance to kick you out. Why did you give it to them? Which is kind of a big point and it but also it's such a hard thing is like so all of these white kids can not be vigilantes at all or do whatever they want and the black kid acts like the rest of his peer group and then gets punished for it so it's like totally not fair bullshit but alaska's question is how will we ever get out of the labyrinth of suffering which oh i love right and i would also like to know the answer for comment your answer below how will we ever get out of the labyrinth of suffering i kind of assume it is to die her thing is always fast and hard which i also loved her response to but we'll get to that in a second and anyway so pudge just kind of does what he did with alaska they watch a porno together with laura and laura is like oh wow this is graphic you know and then they ask Alaska to show them, to show her like how to give a blowjob to Pudge. And then Pudge gets a blowjob for whatever reason. Whenever I remember the book, I always think that Alaska gives Pudge the blowjob, but it's not. And this was like the big, it's so funny to me. It's like the fact that he got a blowjob is what has banned this book from schools. Even though like, I feel like everybody in school was doing it. Very, very weird. But anyway... They're all mad because Cornell's going to get expelled and it's pretty much all Alaska's fault because if she hadn't ratted, they wouldn't have ever done all this like vengeance thing. And honestly, I don't know. Like I don't, they didn't have to respond like it, right? But I understand kids think ridiculous things sometimes, but this is just like truly, I feel like they have no adult guidance because it's like actually like you could have just like told on them, right? Ratted on them and then rat on their pranks until they can't do it anymore. But instead you guys chose silence. And then Laura and Pudge end up fighting over the coronal leaving. And I, I don't even know if they break up. Like, but they just end up getting into a big fight. I don't think they break up. But Alaska ends up being there for Pudge. And they are, like, drinking and being like, okay, let's play truth or dare. And you can kind of tell that they, like, you know, they're still unfinished business between them. They liked each other. But Pudge chooses dare. She tells him to kiss her. And they get drunk, you know, they're kissing. But then Alaska gets a phone call and is like super upset about it. And then she asks if they can distract the principal, the eagle, with fireworks so that Alaska can leave. Oh, and they slow it all down and it's just, it's gonna get heavy for a little bit for the rest of this podcast. So just, just let you know there's some heavy stuff coming. So feel free to bow out now if you don't want to. But anyway, the eagle says come to the gym 
Colonel is like, where is Alaska? Because they thought that it was Hyde, their favorite teacher, the guy with the one lung. And Miles is just like sitting there and he's like, Alaska's not here. We can't start without her. And because they, I guess the Colonel knows like, oh, when they, uh, when they call everybody to the gym, it's usually like bad news like this. And then, you know, they have to start it because the person that they're all in the gym for is Alaska and she's dead and it was it is hard it was I like cried for the rest of these episodes because I don't it's such a hard thing and there's so much because her life is so unfinished and she was such a character that like clearly could have benefited from the growth story and she doesn't get to have it and it's like fucking good writing it's such good frustrating writing that I'm mad about it (laughs) thanks John Green anyway Pudge throws up And he keeps just saying that she's not dead. Uh, I can't imagine what that would be like, honestly, because this is a shocking death. And everyone is crying, and uh, and Pudges just thinks that it's a prank. But the eagle explains that Alexa was intoxicated. She hit a police car without swerving, and the steering wheel crushed her chest, and she died. And Miles, like, won't talk to Laura, which is, you know, like, is not great. I think they all should have banded together. And Pudge just, like, shuts down. I kind of almost feel like maybe he thinks talking to Laura is like some sort of like spiritual cheating or I don't know what's going on, but it's really dumb. But I can also see that being the reason why. Also, he like kind of cheated on Laura sort of. But the colonel is all like, oh, it was all my fault. I let her go and is like taking the blame. But I also kind of hate that they started there because in the book, they're like, no, this is a mystery. Like she didn't die. She was either murdered. She either committed suicide. She... She died for a reason, and I like that they, in this one, they, like, go heavy-handed to their emotional fault and, and their response and their, the fact that it was their fault when they, that she was dead, and in the book, they kind of, like, are just trying to figure out why. Like, they're trying to have some meaning for Alaska, and that kind of gets buried, which sucks because the whole title of the book is Looking for Alaska, and that is, like, the pivotal thing is, like, it's all these theories about what could have happened to her. And, it, and that's the whole point is like, it's almost like the theories of what could happen to her take away from the actual grief of the death and allow them to cope more and come to the understanding that, oh, like this isn't easily figure outable. So, well, they remember that Alaska was like leaving because she was like that whatever she was doing couldn't wait until tomorrow, but she didn't say. And then they have this like irritating <laughs> But I also love it because it's exactly what would happen in this school situation. It's exactly why I was always afraid of actually really killing myself, even though I was suicidal, because I was like, I was worried everyone was going to pretend that they knew me better than they did and that it was going to defeat the whole purpose of why I was killing myself was that we weren't there for each other as a society. But anyway, this girl Molly is like, thinks that Alaska tried to speak to her in a, in a diner in Morse code. And the colonel is like so sick of it. And and he literally just says the thing. It's like, it's so terrible. It's so funny to me. And he's like, I can't believe Alaska had to die, but you live. And it's just like, fuck, but it's so funny. It's mean. It's obviously bullying, but I I get it a little bit. Anyway, the philosophy teacher kind of bonds with them and talks about how he wasn't allowed at his boyfriend's funeral because they were gay and people are stupid and prejudiced and it's awful. But I don't think he changes the final essay question, but he makes the students write an essay on Alaska's questions of how to get out of the labyrinth. And he leaves with this like a a brilliant, brilliant thing the philosophy teacher also says. And the guy did a really good job who's acting this. 
And he says that everything falls apart, you know, and this will hurt, but you will survive it. And it's just, oh, it's just a great scene. Just go watch it. If all you do is watch that one thing, I think it's just like really important to observe. It's very, very good. Then they go to Alaska's funeral. And obviously it's crazy because there's so many heightened emotions. And the colonel blames her dad and says that, you know, it's your fault. Like you blamed the mom dying on her and the dad is like drunk and sad. And it's probably where Alaska got her drinking problem from, right? And the colonel is just like laying into the dad saying that she didn't go home because you're an asshole. And just yells at him that like he should have been there for her because this could have been prevented. Because definitely she had anxiety when she was leaving. Like the whole reason that she did this is a result of like an anxiety attack kind of like making her feel like she has to do something and it's just it's hard and I mean but that's the thing is like her mom died and that was a trauma that like kind of broke people apart and we don't give people trauma-based skills to heal themselves we don't really talk about what there is to do and the colonel just like literally loses it and grabs the dad and is like freaking assaults him who like lost his child and, and the colonel's mom is like shook by this and and so like devastated and because her son just literally starts beating up this guy which is not a great thing for a black guy to do in our society because people are racist and are going to assume that he is a thug and it sucks that people think like that but of course that's what they're going to think and of course he even has that because his dad is probably abusive to his mom and acted like that because of the abuse of the slave thing so it's just this whole cycle of the world that I hate and want to heal so badly and I still don't know how yet but I'm trying so hard to figure it out for you guys. Um, I feel like this podcast is at least a good start because it's a thing about talking about it. But anyway, the dad admits that he lost Alaska a long time ago and that he didn't deserve her and he just falls apart and it is just like really sad. It's interesting that they chose her dad to be fat and she's like very very skinny Alaska was and eating it doesn't make sense to me I feel like she would have been a little bit chunky too which would make more sense for why she was more insecure with men because there kind of wasn't that element of insecurity that I felt with her in the book which made her really relatable to me as a teen girl but now we can't make women insecure because they have to be powerful and everything and it's like you can still be insecure and still have your own power I feel like facing your insecurities is powerful and it's like almost dehumanizing to pretend that girls aren't insecure. Like the society has forced us to be insecure and I like want more characters dealing with it, but I'll just write them, it's fine. Uh, it would be cool if I like had some help out there, but it's fine, I'll just write them. I'll just do it myself, whatever. Anyways, so it then ends up being revealed that Jake was the phone call because it was two years that day and Miles ends up thinking that she was just feeling guilty for Jake because she was kissing him and, and that she like ran off to him to talk about it. But Jake kind of thinks that Alaska liked Miles more and they'll just never really know the truth of why she was going. But I think in the end they figure it out that she was going to put flowers on her mother's grave and that's why it was like so important to her which is so hard you know but it takes them a long time and like obviously I said this part kind of gets buried because they add in all of these emotional flavors which are also like beautiful in their own right but it's not the book you know it's not this particular story um even though it does like kind of flesh it out more and takes it from being as young as they were because they spend so much of the end book I remember it being like was it an accident was it suicide and was it a combo and I kind of feel like Part of it was a combo because she was like super drunk and they like look and she, they're like, oh, she did have like 
some signs of being suicidal because it's clear that she like was depressed or I don't think she would have gone to like cigarettes and alcohol and breaking these rules and like wanted to be alone. Like clearly she was having some mood instability issues, which also I think just happened in teenage girls due to the fact of like our periods in general, it's insane. And also we're like told to eat a bunch of foods that make our periods worse. And it's just, Oh, we're stuck. But anyway, hopefully we're going to get better at that. So they try to test it out to kind of see what would happen. So they get the coronal as fucked up as possible. And they have to get his blood to 0.21, which I think is like severely, severely drunk. And it's crazy that our blood was even up to that and that she was that drunk. I think she was like drinking when she was driving, if I remember the book. I can't remember if that's how it was in the series. I've only really watched this once. I don't think I could do it again because it's too sad given that it has such like a an interesting place in my heart being something that my ex uh, and I really bonded over. It was like our thing. So then they end up going through Alaska's room with stuff and that's like when they learn about that it was the mom's anniversary of death and like like that's how she met. Her boyfriend is I think they both met at a graveyard which is such a goth emo way to meet and I love it. I also wish she was like she was kind of like prep in this movie and I wanted her to be more edgy because it that felt like what she was. Um, maybe that's what I imagined. And obviously we just like only do goth characters ironically in television for whatever reason. I don't like the way that they did the delivery. They like did it to his parents with Miles because Miles is like leaving the school because he can't come back with after Alaska's done, which I understand. I don't think I would have came back at all because it's just, that would have been just too hard. I would have been like, I quit. Like I'm homeschooled now. I'm dropping out of college. I don't know. I would have just like, shut myself out if the person that I was crushing on died like that. So I'm also very proud of myself that I didn't go through with suicide and grateful to the people who saved me because I would have hated to be that person for somebody. So that's just another reminder like, hey, don't kill yourself because you don't want to be the person that makes other people give up on their life, right? You want to be the person that makes people want to continue with their life. And that's like the strongest thing. Like if you're feeling suicidal and you choose to live, that is the strongest thing you can do and you doing that is you're like the bravest person alive so congrats like you deserve so many medals and cookies if you want but yeah I hate the delivery of I was ringing she was a hurricane to her parent to the his parents because it's just so feels so forced but I get it because it is like one of the more memorable lines and his parents are just very concerned but he like doesn't want to forget Alaska so it's this like grief as a remembrance tool which is oh, such an interesting thing you know so many moral conversations you could have even on that because I definitely think that grief can transform into like a happy memory like I even feel like now it's happening like I'm a bit sad on myself that it's like oh I wish I did some of these things that helped myself earlier but like I didn't know until I knew and everybody's learning journey is so different but I didn't know until I knew and honestly I can look back at those moments and appreciate where my life is now. And I don't know if I, if I had a normal life, would I be able to easier appreciate even the smallest of steps that I do now? I'm unsure, but you sometimes you just have to do that. Like everything in this world is like so much being big and better and the best. And sometimes you just have to be like, what was bigger than myself that I did today? What was my personal best? And that is can be enough for you to find joy in this precious crazy thing we call life but anyway Pudge ends up coming back because they didn't want to run away they don't want to make a bench to remember Alaska because that's lame that's not who she was she wasn't some name to be on a bench that the school is doing for her which is kind of cool as a student I feel like if I died my school wouldn't have done anything 
Um, I hope that if I do die of suicide, somebody just takes any money that I've saved up. Although I'm worried that if I did die of suicide because I didn't have any money saved up, but I face on myself, put it in a fund and give it to somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to help other people. But anyway, they want to remember her by a memorable prank, which honestly, this prank is so good on the show. It like made me laugh, cry. And so they, they tell the eagle that they're, oh, they want to get this doctor to speak who's opposed to teen sexuality and the, the eagle is like oh that sounds like a good idea right like abstinence is great we want we don't want any horny teenagers and people getting pregnant and me getting in trouble so miles dad then pretends to be the doctor officially and helps him out in this because miles dad was a prankster so i get the skinny stripper which is not how i pictured him all i pictured a very like bulk stripper but i guess it makes sense because it's a doctor and I think you can kind of buy maybe a skinnier more doctor than like a, a huge ripped doctor. And they have like the girls kind of cat call him in the crowd. And then the doctor goes, this is for Alaska Young. And they all take their shirts off. And it's like, it is literally epically hilarious. Even though it's like, okay, these people are underage and they're taking their shirts off. And there's a stripper. And there's obviously this kind of question of, uh, is this pedophilia? Is this pedophilia? But it's also wickedly funny. They're 16. I remember when... I was like 13, my friend and I dressed up as the cop and uh, the cop and the nurse stripper, I think, for Halloween once from American Pie and thought we were so cool. So it is something teenagers do and there is like inevitability about that, but I understand that, you know, it's toe in a line. It's toe in a line, but it is really, really funny. And I can't keep thinking about like the speaker that has to follow the stripper prank one. But the principal laughs. But he's like, you know, don't do it again. But he ends up laughing and he's like, it's like she wrote that speech herself. And I love the like quote that they do of like, I can't remember who the last words were, but it's just a brilliant quote. It doesn't even matter who said it, right? It's just, it's about what it is. Uh, like it's this guy's wife and her husband is dying and she's like, I want to go too. And he goes, in short, we're all going. And it's like, oh, it just stays with me. And I think about it so much and I love it so much because it's such a simple thing and it's like such a pure thing of death too of being like I don't want to live in a world without you but then too of like one, one day you won't right like you're you're going whenever it's your time and it's just like I mean this thing says so much about death which is what this series is about and sorry I didn't have a guest on I just thought it was kind of you know I need to talk about this myself and obviously it's a very heavy topic and I don't know a lot of people that know about looking for Alaska and would feel comfortable reviewing it but anyway Miles kind of comes to this conclusion that you know like the part of her was just greater than the sum of her knowable parts and there was like no way that he was ever going to completely get to know her which is which sucks for him because I think that's something like he really wanted to do because he loved Alaska and he loved her and the joy of like getting to know her which I feel so happy in my life that I have a partner who loves me in that way because I think that's the way that I've always wanted to be loved and sucks that my ex-husband like that this is the book that we had but we that he couldn't love me the way that Miles loved Alaska and like or it was like a character to him to pretend that he did which was weird but you know he had a lot of emotional problems anyway and then they go to the spot where she she died and they like hug and cry and it just like sucks like I wish that Alaska didn't die even though this is a fake person and these people aren't real but I know like somewhere this story out there exists in a real life reality right like somewhere 
parts of this are true for people and it and it sucks and it uh it just hurts me too that her last words were I love what we're doing but we have to stop and that her like last words to Mile were to be continued and then they like find or I think he says that I will always love my crooked neighbor with all of my crooked little heart and there's just like so many great ending quotes on this there were some really pullable quotes that were really well written this is I mean both of the story John Green's stories are so wonderfully weird they all stick with you in a weird way they were like truly unique and he definitely really inspired me in writing a lot and I love the like ending thing too I think it's Thomas Edison's last words where he goes it was very beautiful over there and Miles is like has this kind of hope positive thing that you know how do you get out of the labyrinth is just you just stick to it stick to the labyrinth of suffering keep going and you'll find the center of the maze and the way to get out and he says after the edison quote it's very beautiful over there he's like i don't know where there is but i believe that it's somewhere and i hope it's beautiful and i'm an emotional wreck but that was looking for alaska and i don't know the series like it definitely took me some time to get into i feel like that's a lot with a limited series, I feel like it's very hard. They haven't, a lot of directors haven't figured out how to start very strong in a limited series. But yeah, this book has meant so much to me, obviously, personally. So it was really fun to review. I hope you got something out of it. It was also kind of hard to review. I feel like I'm like fighting back, just like sobbing and crying. And it also feels like the reason I wanted to do this is I felt like my husband, there's a whole story about it. I'll tell you some other time, maybe when we talk about weddings or whatever. But my husband kind of left. My ex-husband now, obviously, kind of left at a very, with unfinished, like he didn't, I had to like hire a private eye to divorce him. So we never, we never had like a closure chat. I don't know if we ever will. I'm always open to it. I don't think that he will be because he will have to admit some things that I think he's too frightened to admit. I think one of them about it is about his queerness personally. Obviously, don't quote me. I could be wrong, but that's what I got and I feel bad that that's the path that he's going to choose in 2021 which is probably like one of the most accepting gay times there has been in centuries and it's just like I don't know it breaks my heart a little bit but I felt like by keeping I'm gonna have to do all the John Green stories because I can't think about John Green and not think about my ex-husband but looking for Alaska I just have to let it go like I can't keep its space in my brain anymore because it makes my heart hurt I don't know if you have stories like that but I wanted to talk about it just because I'd be interested to see so comment down below or reach out to me on any of my platforms to tell me what you think do you have stories like that where it's like you bonded so close with somebody you like they are changed they are so shaped by the person that you shared the story with and bonded over the story with thank you guys so much for listening we're closing in on the end of our series now i think it's mostly going to be just me because i've been kind of busy and definitely just kind of going through some stuff i had a big job and then i lost the job not really fall my own but i was getting into a groove and i am craving some stability and more paying creative projects but I'm still like getting myself organized with my health stuff and that's just been a challenge and it's very frustrating and tedious and I want it to be over and I know that it'll be over someday so it's just a matter of hanging in there but please if you like this please consider donating all of my donation links are down below I also have obviously all my social networks if you can't donate leaving a follow or even a couple likes on photos or comment all of that would really help and sharing this podcast with people that you like and telling them to check me out all of that is so appreciated and you're so wonderful i think we're gonna do probably soul and the series of unfortunate events 
on the season. Don't quote me yet. I still haven't nailed down my guest for Seoul. He might be my last guest of the season, but we will see where it's all going. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Friday. Have a good one.